this profession of just dentistry is just resounding. Even with the trying times we're having, you know, sometimes doctors are scared, patients are scared, but in the end, they were just ready to be back in the chair and to treat, and the patient was ready to be treated as well. So it is still just an amazing upside and opportunity for you guys if you can really focus on, take advantage of being an owner. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provides the Path to Owning It podcast, where I sit down with trusted industry experts in Provides Network to give you the tools and advice you need to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands. From owning your own practice to expanding or improving an existing practice, we'll help pave the way for you to achieve your dental or veterinary career dreams and guide you through all the nuances of the practice ownership journey. Please make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. On this week's show, we're discussing how dental practices have recovered from the 2020 COVID-19 shutdown. From being able to see only emergencies to trying to handle a flood of patients upon return with limited staff, we'll get into all of it with today's guest. Charles Loretto is a partner at Kane Waters & Associates, which has provided dental professionals with financial education and comprehensive financial services since 1984. Using his insights and expertise from almost two decades in the dental industry, his passion is helping diagnose the financial support dentists need and then connecting them with someone who will help them achieve their financial goals. Charles, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. What's up, Corey? And it's a pleasure to do this. And I did check you out, you know, listen to some of the recorded podcasts. And I think you got a job here. I mean, you've got this little radio voice down. You sound very soothing. I was like, sure, I'll hang out with you for 30 minutes. So yeah, let's get this gig going, man. What are we doing today? Well, I appreciate the compliment and I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled to have you on. So let's just dive right in. You know, first, let's quickly go back to the last few years in dentistry. You know, it's really been a trying time. Remind our listeners what some of those early COVID-19 shutdowns, what they were like for practice owners. Yeah, I mean, heck, for everybody, right? I mean, if you're a pizza owner, you're a dental office, a healthcare professional, I mean, you owned a business. I mean, you were scared. It just freaked all of us out, including me. I'm a business owner of 200 employees. So yeah, we're terrified. I got nothing but dentists as clients. And if dentists aren't working, not getting paid, then our fear is they're going to stop paying us. And so, of course, we're scared. You know, so it was a trying time, you know, and I think out of that, realize the importance of cash and having a business plan and being able to prepare for some type of challenge that we faced. But in the end, it was an amazing opportunity for owners. I mean, they had a chance to reflect. They had a chance to open their businesses back, look at things differently, use technology. They had a chance to really try to make their businesses better. And it like resoundingly like came back and businesses have never been better. Our practices, we have over 3000 dentists that we work with and continue to see this upward trend in collections and upward trend in profitability, even with the trying times we're having. And we'll talk about some of these subjects of wages and people, but this profession of just dentistry is just resounding. It's like you know, no matter what happens right now in this particular timing of this episode at the end of 22, we're in a down stock market where the market's down, you know, maybe 20% in the S&P and maybe somewhere around 30 plus percent in the NASDAQ. But when you look at dental practices, they're not. This shows you, again, just how resilient this business is. So trying times for sure, but things just from a positive standpoint, they're really, really doing good. So now, like you mentioned, December 2022 practices, in your opinion, and the 3000 that you kind of see are fully recovered. Why do you think it came back so quickly? Why are we doing so much better post-pandemic sooner than other professions? Well, government stimulation was massive. 
I mean, the PPP money one and two and employee retention credits and just stimulus that we gave to the individuals had a lot to do with it. And if you go three months without seeing a dentist, people still have pain and people have money. And so even there is this little bit of a hiccup. Of course, it scared a lot of us, but numbers are numbers. I'm a business. I'm a finance guy. You know, sometimes doctors are scared, patients are scared, but in the end, they were just ready to get back. They're ready to be back in the chair and to treat, and the patient was ready to be treated as well. So the economy itself was the one that basically made it work. You have unemployment rates that are so low and people have money. That's why you didn't see anything stop in the field of dentistry. You didn't see anything from the retail sector drop as well. Yeah. And you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but some of our more established practice owners now are still facing some challenges, whether it be wages, staffing or insurance. Can you kind of speak to some of those? No question. The biggest headache or unexpected thing that came out of the last three years is the switchback of the employee being in demand versus the employer being in demand. And you saw Again, people essentially having a reflect moment of what they want to do in life. Do they really want to do this or they really want to do that? You got wages that went through the roof. And so now all of a sudden the $18, $15 an hour assistant, well, hey, I can do this over here and I can make $20. I can not want to be involved with patients anymore. Maybe I want to do this and I can get $22. Maybe I'll just go back and do online and go to school. And so the entire country is going through this. This is not a dental issue. This is a all employer issue. If it's people looking for somebody to come work at Target or Walmart, or if it's somebody looking from us on a CPA standpoint, our wages went through the roof. We hired a bunch of people, but year over year, our employee costs were up 40%, which is incredible. And it's just, we had to do it. So this is the biggest challenge to our small business owners, in this case, all the dentists that we're working with. So then to overcome that, obviously the only solution is to reevaluate how their businesses ran. If they're an all insurance driven practice, and let's just say the number is a million dollar practice for simplicity, and they were at a 23% team cost, and now they're at a 28% team cost. That was a 5% increase in team cost or $50,000 that's going to come straight off the bottom line to the doctor. Well, you have to look at if you're an all insurance practice, you really don't have a choice. The only choice is you have to generate 50 more thousand dollars plus of revenue more like probably $100,000 of revenue to pay costs to where you can net back that 50000 just so you're at a wash or B, look at the type of fees that you can change and raise if it was a fee-for-service type practice. Look at how bringing consultants in to see how your day is ran, being consultants coming in to see you know that you're coding insurance dollars back to make sure you're getting the full amount from the insurance. And for those types of practices that have, you know, 30 and 40 and 50 new patients, they're booked out on a doctor production standpoint, then you got to make hard decisions like, well, should I cut this one or two insurance plans based on the reimbursement level? So definitely, definitely you have to look at this as a business and you just can't say, you know, oh, wages are up and I'm just going to make less. It's not acceptable. You know, your financial plan dictates that you still need X amount of money to prepare for retirement. X amount of money to live on, X amount of money for your practice to run. And we just can't take a pay cut. That's just not an option. We will increase wages to keep our people, but we will need to increase fees or production or collections 
to manage that process. And it is still a challenge, not just for us as small business owners, again, running a $60 million firm or billion dollar companies, or in this case, million dollar general practices that are dealing with the same issue. And do you think that for all these aspiring owners out there looking to acquire a practice that they're thinking about these things that they're seeing established owners go through now, do you think that's causing some doubt for them moving forward? Yes. I just got back from lecturing at the ASDA National Leadership Conference. There were 700 leaders there at this conference, and I had a chance to speak to 200 of them this past weekend in Chicago. And I have a really powerful message that I would give to anyone right now that's listening that is not an owner. And that message is simple. There's five reasons you're going to own a business. Number one, you are going to make more money. Significant. I'm talking, you're making 200 as associate. I can show you case after case where you're going to make 400 as an owner. So you're going to make more money. You're going to build equity in the business, meaning that this business that you bought that's doing 800 is worth six to 700, that you're building equity in that. You're going to have the ability to start tax planning efficiently, meaning, hey, I don't want to go from 200 to 400 and just pay a bunch of tax. But as a small business owner, now you have the ability to tax plan where you're running $70,000, $80,000 deductions in your pension plan. You've got kids on the payroll. You've got spouse on the payroll. You're running multiple cars through. You know, Corey, as you know, you look at financial statements of dentists and you get to see all the things that the dentists are running through the business and you pull those out. You know, you're doing that same type of work back that I'm doing where you're pulling all the discretionary benefits to the doctor to see the true cash flow of this thing. You get to see it. I get to see it. Certainly owning a CPA firm. This is a major value. More money, tax planning, excellent pension planning. You can save for retirement, the equity in the business. And lastly, you are in charge of that business. So do I think that young people are terrified? 100%. Have they always been terrified? 100%. These are science-minded people that have gone to science school and they're learning science. And so the debt of four to $500,000 that they are now carrying out of school, the debt of maybe a million dollars plus signing a lease, that's six to $7,000. They may not look at that as a debt, but that's a debt. If you owe somebody six, seven grand a month for a hundred months, that's another six, 700 grand. So these are all the emotional financial fears that young doctors have. And what I try to educate people and teach them is that's just emotional. And I get really emotional when they try to pay down their debt the wrong way, that they're been told by corporate or some type of DSO, they can't do this. This is why. And all these fear factors of something like, you know, the HR, the legal and the headaches. It's a headache either way. As an associate, it's going to be a headache working in dental practice or as an owner. You might as well take advantage of make more money and have the other four reasons why you're going to own versus being the associate. So I would just say to that person and persons that are listening, do your best to look at this. Surround yourself with very successful people. Have provide that can look at this and say, this is a no freaking banner. This cash flow looks amazing. Have another dental CPA that specializes in the field. That's a self-serving thing because that's obviously something that we do and we help many buyers go through this process a year. When you're educated and you're looking at these opportunities, it's a clear cut, like we are going to do this. You know, it's just, you have to evaluate enough of these to know that I'm not going to let the fear of the debt or the fear that I maybe don't know how to do this. That same fear has gone on for a hundred years and a bunch of science people have been running dental practices and been very, very successful for a very long time period of time. My average general dentist that we work with at Kane Waters 
does million three, million four, nets five to 600 grand. Average, specialists are more. You know, this is an amazing profession. So yeah, I had maybe a little trying times over the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe I got some wage issues and labor issues and just trying to find people. It is still just an amazing upside and opportunity for you guys if you can really focus on take advantage of being an owner. Charles, thank you. That's amazing advice and great insights into the healthcare world today. You know, we've talked a lot about how practices are recovering since the pandemic, but when we return, I'd like to dive a little deeper for those who are looking to grow their practices, specifically if now is the right time and what changes the pandemic caused. More with Charles Loretto after this short break. Meet the newest reason to finance your dream practice with Provide. The Provide Card, the credit card built specifically for dental and veterinary practice owners. Available in addition to your Provide practice loan, with the Provide Card, you'll be transported to a world of new opportunities for your practice, where you can securely make bulk supply orders and earn tailored rewards on your purchases. You can earn up to 3% rewards on healthcare practice and lab supplies and 1% rewards on all other purchases all the time with no rotating categories and no point expiration. At Provide, we're creating the future of personalized banking for healthcare practice owners. To learn how to apply for your tailored card with tailored benefits, contact your Provide representative or visit getprovide.com slash provide card for more information, including rewards terms and conditions. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provide's The Path to Owning It podcast. We're back with Charles Loretto, partner at Kane Waters & Associates, to get his take on if now is the right time to grow your practice and what has changed post-pandemic in the path to ownership. You know, Charles, let's shift and talk a little bit about startups. I know that you have your own podcast, Transition Talk, which is amazing, by the way, and you have a ton of content around starting your own dental practice. If it's possible, can you give us the short version for our listeners? Yeah. Look, I want you to be a business owner. That's first and foremost. And a lot of times it's just how quickly can you become successful? And so there are certain people that are wired that they really need to do a startup. And I love that passion that they have. And I just want them to have a business plan. I want them to think this process through. You know, the quickest startups that are the no-brainers, I don't even blink an eye or get any anxiety over would be a pedo, an endodontist, a surgeon, their ability to basically take a practice from zero to a million is in a year. Where I get a little anxious is maybe in my orthodontist that's doing a startup that is going to go see a bunch of five-year-olds that don't have six-year-old teeth in a very competitive market like ortho, but I can be sold. Okay. You tell me that your husband or spouse is a pediatric dentist. You tell me you got a connection next door to one. You tell me that you have no debt and you're married to a surgeon that makes a bunch of money. Fine. Yeah, I can definitely be convinced. In the end, if I go to general dentistry, it's just a numbers thing. I've got great examples of people doing startups, but man, do me a favor, have a business plan, do all your demographic studies, work with a consultant that specializes in the dental startup, meaning from a marketing perspective, because it's about patience. So what you want to back into is when you have half a million dollar practice, unfortunately, because of fixed costs, you don't make a lot of money. To do a half a million of collections in a startup practice, you might make 100000 but that next half a million, so from 500 to a million, all of a sudden you may be making 400,000 total or 300,000 on the next 500 that you bring in because you're leveraging fixed costs and some of your people costs that are technically called direct costs, but they're kind of fixed because you're just paying them. They're not doing much. And we just become much more profitable. So what then you have to think about is, well, how many patients do you have at 500, at 700, and a million? And general rule is you'll have about eight to 900 active patients 
at that 500 collection mark. So I really need more like 1,800. That is correct. You're going to need about 1,800 active patients around that million dollar more to be in that same profit range. So then how many patients do you get a year? How many do you convert? How long does it take you to get to the million dollars? And for a lot of corporate offices, they've gotten really smart. They used to acquire a lot of practices, but a lot of them will actually start now. And because they know that they can pay six to $700,000 for the startup and it's all brand new stuff and they put their own brand and spin on it and they just attract 100 new patients a month. And so if you can get you know 80 patients a month, 80 times 12, 960, that's almost 1,000 patients in one year. Well, in two years, you should be a million-dollar practice theoretically. Okay, so if you start a practice and you borrow the same $600 as the next guy, but you only have 20 new patients a month because you picked the wrong spot, there's a lack of marketing, lack of marketing dollars, you're there four days a week when you should be there maybe two days a week and go grind it three to four days a week someplace else where you're making money and dumping it back in the practice. If you're in that situation, it may take you 10 years to get to the money because it's the numbers thing. So I don't push people to do the startup. I don't push people not to do a startup. I just educate them with, if you're going to go down this road, show me your business plan of how you are going to drive new patients. And if that answer is like, I have a plan, I'm confident this is what I'm doing. Here's the number of retired dentists. This is the procedures I'm going to be doing. I'm a prosthodontist. I'm going into Florida where there's not one in this area. Perfect. You have sold me and I want to support you through this venture. It's just a little faster to get to these numbers if you buy a practice that's already up and going. And let's talk about the first part of that, right? Buying the practice. So let's talk a little bit about lending. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in healthcare practice lending since the pandemic? And what are your thoughts on the impact that they're having? Now, you guys have been awesome. And I say banking as a whole has definitely been very supportive. The only probably change that we've seen you know, most recently is just obviously interest rates have crept up on us a little bit. And so that's for some people, it may or may not be as attractive but these are small increases when you look at it from a, it was a three, now it's a four number, four and a half number, a five. It still makes financial sense for these buyers and you guys just keep you know lending on. So it hasn't been any major U-turns. I think you guys definitely look at this a little differently than a lot of banks. And I commend you for that. And I, I would not be surprised to see other banks follow you. Thank you, Charles. Let's speak a little bit to the established dentists who are now looking to add additional locations or expand. Do you think now's the right time for them to grow with the interest rates and everything else that you kind of hinted at earlier? It's to each individual's situation. Okay, let me give you an example. So let's say you are a 700 collection practice and you've got five chairs and you know you can do more. You just, whatever reason you can't, then yeah, I'm not looking to go build another half a million dollar finish out project not really maximizing our own space. So in that example, it would be attractive to me that we may be acquiring a practice that maybe the lease is up. I take those collections, purchase it for a price, and then put that inside of my practice because I know I can do more. If I'm doing a million, two, million, five, million, seven, I physically can't do anymore. I'm running three hygiene chairs and two doctor chairs. I physically am tapped out and I've got a seven chair practice. I'm still not max on a space standpoint. I don't know it makes sense that I'm going to go on the second and third and fourth practice because I'm just going to take on a bunch of debt without solving the problem of who's going to do the work. So as you go down those roads, if the entrepreneur that is expanding to the second and third, I'm not afraid of the 3%, 4%, 5% at all. It's not the interest rate that would prevent me at all from, from an advisor standpoint to telling someone to do this. The risk would be is who's going to do that work. If that doctor comes back to me and says, hey, I've got this, I'm doing a million, three million, four. I can't physically do it anymore, but I got a great opportunity. I got this doctor down the street. He's doing a million. 
He wants to sell it 750. He's got a great overhead. And what we're going to do is I'd buy it. He would work back. And then I've got an associate that's in the pipeline. He would come work at my office and work at his office to where he slowly phases out. I'm all over that. From a financial planning standpoint, an investment standpoint, I like these types of decisions. Now I'm not just running a million, three, four, five. Now I've got a two and a half kind of million dollar empire. And then that gives me options with the associate to keep them, to overpay them just as the associate or to have them maybe buy into that practice. And as an owner, I get to maybe profit off of that. Or I put both practices together after six months, eight months, two years, we're doing 3 million. Now I value it for 2.2 or three or four. And then the young guy may be buying for a third of that all day, every day. This is extremely smart for A, the current business owner, or B, the I'm not a business owner, but I have a future. I'm looking in the future. What could be possible for me? Absolutely. Once you own one and figure this out, you understand systems and people and marketing and what it takes clinically to do this and other team and other team and boom, you got two or three offices before you know it. What are some of your long-term projections for the healthcare industry? Do you have any advice for, let's start with aspiring owners? Well, there's a bunch of worries about, you know, corporate just taking over everything completely. The numbers that we hear at most recent conferences, you know, this past summer and fall, they're about 16% position in the space, meaning that they own 16% of the dental offices. And that number has increased from a 8% from just like five years ago. So they're growing. There's no question. What do I see? I, I see that number continue to increase. I don't know where it maxes out. I don't see it as this hundred uh, percent, like maybe the equivalent of like a pharmacy or something, but I do see it increasing. And so I think you can work alongside and take advantage of that model. You can go and work there you can learn, you can see their systems, you can see their marketing, you can see their CE and take what you know there and then go and apply it to your own business model. You can get costs down just as low as they are, believe it or not. You can get your supply costs, you can get your lab costs, you can get equipment down to what they are. So don't let them or your own Facebook of ideas tell you that you can't be competitive. You can 100% be competitive. I'm telling you right now, I've got my average GP practice has a 55% overhead. I actually look at these DSO type models and it's not like they're running some sub 50, sub 40% overhead. They're not. They're running very similar to what these other GP practices are running. A couple of margins less, but I'm not talking much. So from my perspective, I still see this space, the next decade, two decades of an amazing opportunity to be an owner in this business. And how would that change for today's established owners? What do you see for their future? I think that for the, the owner himself, I think that you can take advantage of the fear that young people have and have them work for you just no differently than the corporate model and to grow your brand and your practice, you know, with them, if you didn't want to sell, but just know you're dealing with a future turnover. So sometimes you build it too much and you create this monster. And my only caution is you go build a $3 million machine with three offices. You're the sole owner and you start to cut back and you got these associate work for it. It sounds like an amazing mailbox opportunity for life. What happens is you let your foot off the gas on what you're doing and what happens is that your profit margins continue to go down and down. You've gotten used to cutting back. You're not maybe as in charge and leader and control anymore. And then those associates leave, the headaches start to happen. It just 
revolving door now. The assistants are frustrated. The front desk is frustrated. It's just another way to do it. You know, uh, that's why I like partners. I truly do. I like the ability to bring an associate in, to train, to mentor, to have a business plan about it. I'm not going to value the practice before the associate gets there. Sorry. We're going to value it afterwards after I beat all my patients to you and I go invest in equipment and marketing. Then we'll value it. Then I'll create a partnership for you. And then now I pull equity out of the business. Second reason you own. And the third thing I really hadn't talked about is I get to cut back on my time. You don't need to always work for five-day work weeks as a dentist. If you have a partner, there's no reason why you can't grind it out really hard three days. Doing $100,000 a month in clinical, checking the hygiene, have a system over there where you've got a four-day-a-week part-time associate, full-time associate in that practice, grind away and run a multi-million dollar business, or have two of you as partners run three days a week. If there's something I would say to the established doctor, like what would you do differently talking to them and I look at their financial statements is number one, understand the value of having a partner and to grow the business and pull the equity out. Second thing I would tell the young person that I can see someone who's been doing this for 20 years probably has made mistakes on is don't be afraid to own. Third thing I would say is don't let the debt make your decisions. Let taxes make decisions. Maximizing your retirement plan, not just your 401k, but your profit sharing plan. That is the biggest mistakes I see that you don't own fast enough, you don't bring a partner and you just allow your business to be flat for 15 or 20 years. You don't focus on the business's efficiencies. You don't focus on tax planning and wealth accumulation, which is saving retirement, which is also saving in taxes. These are four to five things I would say are critical for someone's success from a wealth accumulation. Because this is no mistake. This is a wealth accumulation game we're all in. It's a wealth accumulation for you, Corey, wealth accumulation for me. One day I'm not going to be interviewed. You know, One day you're not going to be the interviewer right? One day you will just be sitting on some type of investment and those investments are yielding some type of check and you're not doing this, right? It's the same thing for these dentists that they're listening is they need to understand this is about building wealth, not about one crown, two crown, checking hygiene. It's not about taking braces on and off. It's not about a root canal. We already know that's going to be your path for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Your your path is from 60 to 90. I've accumulated wealth. What do I need to do? And how many more years do I have to accumulate it so I can have the maximum lifestyle on the back end? That's the game. That's the importance of working with a great team like a dental CPA early on, right? Biased? Yeah. I think working with Kane Waters is amazing. Well, if our listeners, if they would like to work with Kane Waters and Associates or National Dental Placements to help them on their ownership journey, how can they uh, get in touch with you guys? If you don't own, then you just simply go to our NDP Transitions site just the info at NDP Transitions, and you fill some stuff out. We're going to send you a bunch of free content. Our Transition Talk podcast is one of them. And then for the owner that says, hey, I own, I make a good amount of money. I want you to kind of look at my tax returns and I'm thinking about maybe expanding, maybe writing an associate in. I'm thinking about doing a building. Would you mind listening to my situation? Again, no cost, no obligation then that's the Keen Water site. There's same ownership. I'm involved in both of them, founded one and became a partner in the other, but that's just Keen Waters, keenwaters.com and info at Keen Waters or info at NDP Transitions. So yeah, we're happy to help. We believe in educating people so they make good decisions and obviously have services that can help them if they need it. Well, Charles, it's really been a real pleasure having you share your expertise on this topic with us today. I thank you for taking the time and uh, I would invite you back to the show anytime in the future. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Path to Owning It. 
If you're ready to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands, be sure to visit getprovide.com to pre-qualify and browse our practice marketplace or check out our news page for more helpful resources. The Path to Owning It is brought to you by the team at Provide with production assistance from Sarah Parkey. And it's produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses. PodCampMedia.com. Producer Dusty Weiss, editor Larry Kilgore III. For Provide, I'm Corey Brown. Thanks for being on the journey with us. Provide is a division of Fifth Third Bank National Association. All opinions expressed by the participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Provide, its affiliates, or Fifth Third Bank. The participants' opinions are based on information they consider reliable, but neither Provide, its affiliates, nor Fifth Third Bank warrant its completeness or accuracy and should not be relied upon as such. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute the rendering of legal accounting tax or investment advice or other professional services by Provide or any of its affiliates. Please consult with appropriate professionals related to your individual circumstances. All lending is subject to review and approval.